want to encourage you to turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Romans, um, the book of Romans. Um, today, we are going to take a quick break from our sermon series with the signs in the Gospel of John. By the way, I had that originally scheduled to where today we would hit when Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. It would have been perfect. But things aren't perfect always. So today, we're going to look at Romans chapter 6. And as is our custom, I'll be reading from a couple other places in Scripture that I encourage you to listen carefully and closely to. The first one from the book of Jeremiah, would you just listen carefully and closely to these, and I'll meet you in Romans in just a moment. This is the Lord speaking through Jeremiah. For this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them. I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. And then from the Gospel of Mark, do listen carefully to this resurrection story. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary, of the, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him? But go and tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. And now from the book of Romans... Our sermon will focus on verses 4 and 5, but I'll read verses 1 through 11 for us. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We are buried, therefore, with him in baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. 
Lord, we acknowledge as a congregation gathered here in this hour a few things. First, Lord, that we do not live by bread alone, but instead we live from every word that comes from your mouth. So we ask by the power of your spirit that you would feed and nourish us. Secondly, Lord, we acknowledge that we are people in need of fresh hope, Lord, a fresh stirring of joy. We ask that you would give it to us now. Lord, in your kindness and in your mercy, would you take these words in your word? Would you shine light on them? Would you shine light into places in our hearts and use all of this, Lord, to make us more into the people you'd have us be, we ask. And we ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. So I've been thinking um, some lately about preaching. This is good because it's a pretty important part of what I do at Grace Fellowship. It's not the only thing I do around here, by the way, but it is a big part of what I do here. Secondly, I've been thinking a lot about preaching because I'm still new at it. I'm still young and kind of learning to do this week in and week out. Third, and even though I'm young and still learning how to do this, I've been asked on occasion to participate in training others about preaching. And in that process of thinking about all those things, I've come across the words of a British pastor, bishop, guy from the 1800s named J.C. Ryle. And J.C. Ryle is famous for his letters that he writes to young pastors and preachers. It's interesting what he tells young pastors and preachers on big, important days like Easter. Listen to what Ryle says. Quote, don't be clever, end quote. This is my paraphrase. This is a 21st century paraphrase. Don't be flashy. But here's what he says, quote, plainly tell the souls in your care what they are to believe. So today, in these moments we have, I want to plainly tell you something, okay? The first part is going to be announcement. I'm gonna announce some facts to you, hoping they'll stir your heart. The second thing I'm going to do with some pastoral heart and tenderness, I wanna explain something to you. And it's something that is going to be difficult to hear because it's not an easy thing to live. But I'm learning that it can yield joy for us when we understand it. So announcement first, explanation second, eating and drinking third. That's how we'll go here. So announcement first. Here's the announcement. It has to do with Jesus' cross and his resurrection. We'll start with the cross. The cross of Jesus, um, the resurrection of Jesus, are two events, two things that happened to Jesus, two very real objective realities in time and in space, two achievements, accomplishments that Christ Jesus, praise God, has accomplished for you. Okay, and I wanna outline what those accomplishments are in both his cross and his resurrection. 
Before I do that, let me just remind you that being a Christian is not about having a certain moral life you attempt to live. Though Christianity comes with an ethical way of living. It's just that's not what it's mostly about. Let me just also remind you that being a Christian is also not about simply learning a body of doctrinal knowledge, although Christianity comes with an enormous body of doctrinal knowledge that I actually think you should learn. But this is not what it's mainly about. Being a Christian also isn't mainly about the feeling of whatever you're supposed to feel if you're feeling whatever you're supposed to feel if you're feeling close to God. Though being a Christian comes with soul-stirring emotions. See, being a Christian is about a real person named Jesus and the things that he has really done for you. And I want to announce those things. First of all, let's talk about his cross. At the cross, Jesus pours out his mercy for sinners. At the cross, Jesus proves to you and me his love for people like you and me. At the cross, Jesus purchases forgiveness for you with his own blood. You can be forgiven of sin. At the cross, this this blood of Jesus has the ability to cleanse you, to wash you clean. On the cross, Jesus Christ bears your shame. There's a reason why Jesus had to die by being stripped naked and killed publicly, to bear our shame. At the cross, Jesus Christ cancels. He cancels the penalty of sin. At the cross, Jesus defeats victoriously the devil. And if that were not enough, at the cross, Jesus breaks the power of sin over you. See, naturally, you and I live as slaves to sin. We're not really alive. But Jesus breaks sin's power so you don't really have to fill in the blank. You don't have to say that. You don't have to use words that way. You don't have to respond like that. You don't have to harbor those attitudes. You don't have to click that. You don't have to do that. You don't have to anymore. Really. Now let's talk about his resurrection. I want to announce to you that in Jesus' resurrection, he disarms and he defeats the power of death. Never, ever, ever does death anymore ever have the final word. Death no longer, to use John Donne's famous phrase, gets to march around proudly. Because death has been defeated. In Jesus' resurrection, the scriptures teach us that he has literally removed the sting of death. And as if that were not enough, he promises one day to swallow up death forever. 
Now, there are people in this room this afternoon who are feeling the sting of death. It feels kind of stingy. Maybe because of grief or sorrow or loss. And Jesus' resurrection in those moments of feeling overwhelmed gives you grounds for a real hope. Your Christian hope is not wishful thinking. It's very, very real. In the resurrection, Jesus also brings from death new life, new creation. That's your announcement. The cross and the resurrection are real, live, objective realities, time and space accomplishments that praise God, a real person named Jesus has accomplished for you. Now let me now explain something to you and I will use Paul's words from Romans 6 to do it. But let me just tell you what the explanation is. The cross and the resurrection are real live things that happened to Jesus. But you have to know today that cross and resurrection are also things, they are also things that happen to you. Cross and resurrection are the pattern of the Christian life. It is very important that you understand that cross and resurrection are the pattern of the Christian life. Jesus' cross and resurrection is more than just something he accomplished. It's actually a way of life that you and I are now called to live. Look with me at Paul's words in Romans chapter 6. Beginning in verse 3. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. What Paul is saying is when you began the journey of following Jesus, Baptism being the marker of that beginning. What Paul is saying is when you are united to Jesus Christ, you might not have known it at the time. I was a freshman in college and I didn't quite know it at the time. But I and you experienced a kind of funeral of ourselves. When we were united to Jesus in our baptism, we took on a calling to die, just like Jesus did. We were united to him in his death, Paul says. The New Testament will talk about this. So the writers of the Gospels will say like this, like if anyone wants to come after Jesus, let him take up his cross and die daily. The Apostle Paul in Galatians says that I am crucified with Christ. Therefore, I no longer live, but instead Christ lives in me. Here in the book of Romans, just a few lines down, Paul says, our old self was crucified. 
It's so important. As your pastor, it is so important that you grasp the idea that the Spirit of God will be about the business daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, yearly, biannually. Nobody knows if that means once every two years or twice in one. The Spirit of God will be about the business of putting certain things to death in you. The Spirit will be about the business of killing attitudes in you. The Spirit will be about the business of knocking down certain postures. God's spirit will be about the business of like a good surgeon cutting really deeply to remove certain things from you. And you have to know that this process of dying the death, of being united to Jesus in his death, you have to know that that will be painful and it will hurt. And why it's so important that you know it's going to be happening is because if you don't know that this is what God will be doing, if you don't know that this is the design of the Christian life for certain things to die in you, if you don't know that, you're always going to be confused or discouraged because you're going to feel like, did I just get the technique wrong somehow? This isn't working. Or you're going to be tempted to think somehow that you missed some sort of memo, that everybody's in on some sort of spiritual life, but you feel like you're dying. Now, it's interesting that in pastoral counseling moments, sometimes I'll say to people, and I've learned to ask this question because I've learned to ask it of myself. But sometimes I'll say, if the Lord wanted to kill, fill in the blank in you, how might he do it? And as the person takes that question in and begins to explain it, you know what they normally explain? the exact circumstances that they have in their life at that moment. I'll give you an example. I didn't even plan to say this. But I just have this thing about needing everybody to be happy with me all the time, being afraid to disappoint anybody. Now, if God wanted to put that to death in me in its sinful forms, how might he do it? I'm telling you, this. (laughs) This. Like being a pastor. But it's not the end of the story. Because God will be putting certain things to death in us. He will be crucifying certain things in us in order to bring about his resurrection life in us. Let's look again at Paul's words. We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. 
For if we have been united with him in a death like his, this is verse five, we shall certainly, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. See, he's putting things to death in you in order to raise, to resurrect new things in you. And I wonder today a couple things. One, if you've followed him long enough to actually see that whole arc play out at least once. See, because when you're young, a lot of times you feel a lot of the death very acutely and intensely for, say, 15 years of your adult life but you begin to see him resurrect new things in you. And I wonder if you've been following long enough to have seen the ark get completed at least one time. I hope you have, because it'll help you endure when it happens again, the new killing for the new rising. I also wonder if there are things that you just know right now the Lord Jesus is trying to put to death in you in order that he might raise new things, fresh things. Just like I told you this process is hard, I want to also tell you that this process is never wasted, but he's storing up for you resurrection life. And he builds in you the strength to endure it. And if you experience enough times, you actually begin to realize it's actually the most kind and gracious thing that he does with us put certain things to death that have a grip over us that made us not alive anyway in order to make us alive, alive in him. You know, the scriptures teach, and this is the last thing I'll say. Scriptures teach that Jesus was raised from the dead. We celebrate that today. That a little while later, he ascended to the right hand of God, the Father Almighty, and he teaches us that at this very moment, he upholds the universe by the word of his power, that he rules the world. Scripture teaches that one day, this Jesus who came, who went to the cross, who was raised from the get dead, who ascended to the right hand of God the Father, the scriptures teach us that one day he'll return. Death will be swallowed up forever. And then the scriptures teach us in this mysterious line from the book of Revelation, that his name will be on our foreheads, which is a way of saying this process of freeing us, making us alive, will be finished, will be healed, will be whole, will be complete. And the scriptures teach us that the truth of that is able to be brought forward, to be enjoyed today that you and I can practice. We can take hold of resurrection life. You can take hold of it. You can take hold of it even today. Let's pray. Lord, these things are 
easier to talk about from a pulpit than to live in what is often the painful process of seeing our old selves die away. Lord, but we pray that just like you went to the cross in order to free us from evil and sin and death, we thank you that by the power of your spirit, you're putting things to death in us that we might be alive with brimming hope and joy and resurrection life. Lord, I pray that these words from your word would give us great hope to endure faithfully and they'd stir our souls and give us great joy, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.